Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago, a series of ancient pilgrimages across Europe, culminating at the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James in Santiago de Compostela in Spain. I keep an eye on my desk calendar, and this week a quote rang true. It said, And into the forest I go, to lose my mind and find my soul. Well, a very special podcast this week, because my guest is someone with whom I walked the Camino Frances earlier this year. Ted Walker and I met early and crossed paths often. And I couldn't wait to interview Ted on my return, but he's been travelling pretty much continuously for most of the second half of this year. He's done plenty of wandering and forests, losing his mind, so let's find out if he found his soul. Ted Walker, welcome. Hi, Dan. Good to hear you. Good to speak to you too. We'll start as I often do. Ted, how did you first learn about the Camino de Santiago? The Camino de Santiago... uh... I knew there was an ancient pilgrim group going through northern Spain. And for some reason, uh, whenever I heard about it, my ears pricked up. And we are talking years and years ago. And then in 2012, a traveling friend I'd met in Thailand, uh, uh, an American lass, she called me up and said, Hey, Ted, I'm walking Mina to Santiago uh, from Leon to uh, Santiago. Do you want to come with me? And I said... Yeah, sure. I'll uh, meet you in Leon. And that was it. So that was 2012. So so this, when I walked with you, was actually your second time, was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the first time I walked, as I say, from Leon. Um, and though I travelled quite extensively, I would have to say it was one of the best traveling experiences I ever had. It was so simple. It was a physical challenge. It was a true adventure. You were meeting your tribe, people of like mind. It was spiritual, but not in a heavy way. Um, And I just truly loved the experience and the people I met along the way. I was quite envious of those that started in St. Jean and had all the time to uh, walk all the way through. And I promised myself then when I retired from the fire service that one of the first things I would do would be to uh, walk it in its entirety. Um, uh, When I finished the first one in Santiago, um, I didn't have time to get down to Finisterre uh, walking. I took the bus and I watched the people coming in along the beach from Finisterre. And I thought, hey, that's going to be me one day. And uh, <laughs> so this early autumn, it was. So, so tell us about yourself. Then you, you recently retired, you said, fire, from the fire service. Yeah, I've been 39 years a firefighter, um, which has been a career. Um, I knew that retirement was not going to come easy to me. Um, And I set myself up. Uh, (laughs) I I actually did a workshop which kind of tied in with the Camino called Dying to Live. Uh, This was before I left uh, for the Camino. Um, And the workshop was about coming to terms with your death. Uh, to make the most of your life and what you had left. And 
And I noticed in others of your podcasts, you said it won't be the flash car or the uh, material things you got in your life that you thought about at the end of the day, it will be what you did. And, uh, and this workshop just showed me how true that was. And, uh, um, and walking Camino for me, it was about separating that old life from the new. Uh, um, I really wanted to stop being Ted the firefighter and then find out where I go from here. And as you know, I rechristened on the um, Camino as I am Ted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Look, we'll, we'll, we'll have to tell that story very quickly so people understand what we're talking about. But I want to go back to something you just mentioned before. We were in the town of Arges sitting around a table, there was lots of different conversations going on around the table, and as, as is wont with pilgrims, the people talking in all different languages, and people, uh, and I was, I was sitting there, a German pilgrim, Jan, turned to Ted, and said, what is your name? And Ted said, I'm Ted. And Jan said, hello, I'm Ted, nice to meet you. And to your credit, Ted, you let it go through to the keeper, you didn't say anything. And I started, I started laughing because I'd overheard it. And then a few other people who had overheard the conversation started to laughing. And you were I'm Ted for the rest of the Camino. And, and um, to, like I said, to your credit, you didn't say anything to him. You just sort of said, oh, well, that's, that's life. I'll be I'm Ted now. That's it. I thought I'd let it go. But really, <laughs> there was so much truth in it because... I was no longer Ted the firefighter. That was, I am Ted. That was who I was. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> so I, I quite like the adopted name. And, uh, yeah, so did yeah. we, so um, did we. Hey, you know, <laughs> you, you know, you just said before that you did this workshop, Dying to Live. Can I ask yes. you, what prompted you to do that? Were you fearful of retirement or were you thinking, uh, well, you know, I don't know quite what's in store, but what, what prompted you to do that workshop? Can I ask you that? Yes. Uh, is fear too strong a word? No, it's not. Yes, I, I was concerned about uh, retirement, mm. um, but also wanting to make the most of what I've got left in my life. Um, who knows how long that's going to be. Um, but it couldn't have been a better thing to do. You, <laughs> you actually ended up meditating on your death um, for over an hour till you actually, I'd never thought about it, but you uh, uh, you never die on your in-breath. It's always your out-breath. Um, and ultimately in the meditation, you told you're entering your last three breaths and you are just so into this meditation by the time it happens and you know all the people you want around you and nothing nothing material enters your head but as you say all the experiences you've had in your life that's what you think about and uh, and who you truly want around you um, so so would a 60 plus or 60 something year old British firefighter be a spiritual person, Ted, or or was it this desire for more and seeking more from life that led you down the path that le that you went? Do you think? 
Okay. More of a searcher than spiritual. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but spiritual, yes. Um, not a belonger to any organized religion. Uh, to me, whatever God is, I perceive it as an energetic force of unconditional love. At least that's what I hope it is. Um, and that embraces every religion and no religion. Um, so that is my spirituality. Yeah. Um, uh, Gee, uh, that being said, I did christen a man on, uh, or baptize a man on my first Camino. <laughs> um, I walked with a Scottish lay preacher, uh, as you do, picking up friends along the way. And we were swimming this river in this medieval town. And he was telling me that though he'd been christened, he'd never been baptized and taken the vows himself. And quoted me a line from the Bible that said, John the Baptist had never been qualified to baptize, therefore anyone could baptize you. And would I baptize him? So <laughs> a little bit of me was amused and uh, a little bit of me was quite honored. And I said, yeah, sure, Scott, what do you want me to do? So he said, well, just tell me to repent of my sins and push my head under the water. So uh, <laughs> I said, okay, Scott, repent of your sins. And I pushed this uh, uh, quite large Scots uh, guy under the water and uh, he was happy. Uh, I was happy and, uh, about the river and uh, there was uh, some of the rest of our party sunbathing on the side of the river and I said, I've just baptised Scott. And uh, this 21-year-old uh, uh, English, Liverpoolian English student, Connor, he was a old head and young shoulders, he turned around and said, you can't do that. And, and quoted to me all this Catholic doctrine about what's I'd committed by baptizing Scott, but uh, so I'm sorry, it's too late now, done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's just one of my Camino stories. That's and, fantastic. Uh, and fun <laughs> funny enough, I got invited to his wedding this year, and I went up to Linlithgow in Scotland and uh, attended his wedding uh, because after he completed the Camino. Um, he met a girl on a Facebook Camino forum. Uh, uh, she's now his wife and mother of child. So. Oh, how fantastic! What a great story. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, yeah. so after the first one, and you had this terrific experience, you and you said you 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 had a desire to walk the whole thing after seeing pilgrims coming in to to Finisterre and what have you. But but did you feel it pulling you back? Did you feel that? that pull that people talk about, Ted? Definitely, definitely. But, but, when I got to St. John and I started to walk, then I started having a doubt about what I was doing. I thought, hang on, I'm just repeating an experience I've already had. Um, and the big mistake I was making was to compare... Uh, time I was walking now or back last autumn to the time before because no Camino is the same. Every Camino is different. Um, and you've really got to forget the last time. That's what I learned. And 
and just start afresh and be open to a completely different experience. And uh, uh, once I'd let go of the old experience and opened myself up to the new, it was, it was so much better. What about planning, Ted? Were you someone who booked ahead or had a schedule? Or were, you, were, you, were you one of these spreadsheet pilgrims? <laughs> no, I am a man that plans anything. Um, I never booked ahead. Uh, I got going as early as I could. Uh, um, but with the exception of Rabinol, there was nowhere where I didn't get in. Um, so that was cool. Um, Rabinol, I, <laughs> I shared a similar experience to you. My leg, my tendon completely broke down. And I have been so looking to uh, forward to get into the English Church's hostel, um, where I know you stayed. And um, we stopped. Uh, at this time, I was walking with a uh, young uh, German girl, Teresa, uh, thankfully, and uh, we, we just stopped for a cup of coffee, just short of rabbit hole. And I went to get up to start walking again, and I just could not put any weight down on my right leg. Uh, and I really thought my convenience was over. And I literally hobbled into rabbit hole and tried to find a hostel. Um, Everyone, everyone was full, um, and we ended up sleeping in a tent in a field. Uh, there was a field of tents, but uh, every cloud had a silver linen. Not only could I hardly walk, that man flew well. And so I just slept with my head outside the tent flap, and everything zipped down to my neck and just looked out at the mountain night sky. And I must have seen a good dozen shooting stars there's been some meteor storm going on that night and it was just magic i could not believe it when i saw the first one i thought don't wish on that one ted it's probably space junk but then another and then another and uh that was an amazing night and how did you recover did you wake up okay the next day <sighs> um i recovered by um well well Paul Teresa was going around every hostel trying to get in. I just stretched it and stretched it and stretched it um, until I could actually put weight on it. Um, and thankfully, Teresa's father was a doctor and she had the strongest uh, painkiller anti-inflammatories going and uh, um, put those in me and uh, did a very short leg the next day, 7K. Um, and that turned out to be great too, because that took us up to the top of the Mont uh, Julian, um, and we would have just walked through that spot, and uh, and we didn't because of the state of my leg, and uh, that turned out to be a beautiful evening of um, the second best evening of music, Dan. Obviously, the first the. the best evening of music was was you and Honstantis but um, it was just a group of young people they just got together with a guitar and an Italian girl with a flute and my friend Teresa singing and just one of those Camino moments yeah. uh, did you do maybe I should say yeah go on that's all right I said maybe I should say it was the best because of course you had a proper concert in uh Villefranca as well so. oh that was a great night that was a fantastic night yeah so so okay you don't do much planning uh, you you're not the spreadsheet pilgrim 
you how much do you think of that attitude that that walking by intuition let's see what happens and letting life sort of pan out in front of you how do you think how much of that do you think had to do with the the the, the kind of the yearning toward the end of your working life to let it all go to 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 as you said you know living what was it dying before life what what was the name of the workshop you did i can't i've forgotten it now dying to live yeah dying to live how much do you think yeah was that freedom to just to just walk without all of the pressure how much do you think that had to do with dying to live i think it had a lot more if i'm honest to do with my character uh that doesn't plan but if i was saying you asked me how to plan the Camino. I actually say, don't. Yeah. Uh, let it let it unfold. Um, because the best places to stay, you won't find by planning. You'll find by getting the beaten track, uh, uh, just seeing some obscure sign taking you off the Camino, and all of a sudden you find some really cool hostel. Um, um, I was always... Uh, drawn to hippie hangouts and and uh, um, I found the vegetarian and vegan hostels there the places to go. They were just so cool and off the beaten track and you find artists there and, and working and uh, these were not the places you saw in the guidebooks. You know, these were the uh, these places you found just by simply following the way. And, uh, did 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 you walk alone often? Actually, walking, I prefer to walk alone. Um, uh, if I'm walking with a Camino family, as I did at various times, then I'm happier to walk on my own and in silence. Um, and it's fine walking with other people, but I kind of prefer walking in silence and being in my head. Um, but when I stop, when I see those plastic chairs you speak of, that's when I want to sit and chat and socialize. Um, but the actual walking, I, I guess, like an invitation. And they uh, say you walk at the speed you think. And uh, and so yeah, I just rather be with myself. What about what about blisters? How did you cope with all the usual Camino ailments? You'd mentioned your tendonitis. I was so convinced this time I would be blister free, unlike the first time when I was in absolute agonies with a pair of boots half a size too small but this time my boots i'd walked about nearly 200 kilometers in nepal without a blister so i would not get blisters no problem within seven days i was covered in <laughs> it is something about the camino i don't know what it is but um uh, how did i cope with it with neil and fred and a bottle of alcohol um uh, everyone had their different remedies, but I, I found that just about the best. And uh, but there we are. Blisters just seem part of the Camino. Yeah, yeah. What about a first aid? Mm. Being a, a former firefighter, you'd you'd know a thing or two about first aid. What, what sort of first aid kit did you take then, if you had the alcohol and the needle? What else did you have? Uh, now you're embarrassing me. That <laughs> that was it. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's yeah. funny so you didn't yeah. okay so, so so tell us about your your camino routine were you somebody who headed out early 
A routine, wow. Um, yes, head out early. Um, try not to get lost in the darkness, um, which I did once or twice. Uh, never have breakfast before I leave. The first, first village I went to where I could smell coffee. Sit down, have your coffee and your tostado. Uh, and then away I went again. And uh, just listened to my body and stopped when I wanted to stop. Um, initially, when I started and started to get the blisters and started to get tendon problems, I really started shortening uh, the legs. Um, but as I got fitter on the Camino, the legs started to uh, lengthen, the blisters increase. Um, and, um, but just listen to my body. I know when we were, uh, you and I were just about to approach the Maseca and you wanted to start lengthening the legs, and I thought, I really want to stay with these guys. They're so much fun, but I know my body is telling me not to. And um, and I held back, and uh, you guys went on, and uh, thought probably wouldn't see you again, but uh, uh, the Camino provides. And uh, um, but I walked on. Uh, as I say, I got the same tendon problem as you got, um, but I walked through it, and. Uh, and ultimately, the last two legs going into Santiago, I walked 40K and 44K in two days. Oh, and, uh, wow. I didn't know that. I could not believe at the start of the community I would ever do anything like that. I saw a German group come in uh, to a church donativo. I stayed at a few church donativos. Great places to stay. Um and uh, this is this German party came in and they had just done 40k, 42k and just collapsed on the floor. And nuns were massaging this poor girl's legs. And I thought, there's no way will I be doing that. But at the end of the Camino, there we are. What That's what I was doing. But uh, um, I was trying to catch up with these Australian guys. But they uh, left Santiago, you know, one of them being a good musician. But um, <laughs> wait for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. I, I wasn't even 24 hours in Santiago. I was in and out. I was gone in in, in a flash. Uh, let's talk about some. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some technical stuff. What's the most important item in Ted Walker's backpack? Got to be boots. Got to be your boots, and make sure you have walked and walked and walked them. And I had, <laughs> but yeah, definitely your boots. Uh, inside my backpack <laughs> as little as possible Dan yeah just absolute minimum uh, even this year after having walked it before I still ended up looking at my pack and thinking Ted you've taken too much again and uh, basically two of everything is quick drying and that's all you need what, what, what's the one thing you took that you could have perhaps left at home Uh, the weight of, um, <laughs> and I was watching everyone using their apps. Um, I mean, I'm a bit of a Luddite and I still have the really guide uh, in my book. And I just thought, wow, all these people following their app, no weight of a book. And uh, um, anything else that I carry that I shouldn't have? 
Yeah. I carried art. I carried the materials and never got round to using them, but I don't regret having them there. Um, uh, another time, I'll slow it down more and make more time and sit down and do that. I met an English girl along the way and she was an artist and I so admired her. We'd be walking along and she just said, I'm going to stop and paint now. I thought, hey, good for you, you know. And, yeah, that's uh, and some of the pictures um, you see are magic, aren't they? The re they really capture beautifully uh, the, for sure. the scenery. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's something about yeah. something about the mind's interpretation of what you're seeing in, in being in that relaxed state. I'm sure. Ted, what about sleep? How yeah. how did you cope sleeping? Did you catch some Zeds, or were you tortured like many of us? <laughs> um. Oh, well, I've, I've had 39 years of sleeping in fire brigade dorms, so Camino dorms. There, there was very little difference. Uh, of course, uh, of course. Anywhere, so um, it wasn't too much of a problem. Uh, did you ha did it you amuse me sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it can be like that. I think you have to have a fairly open mind, <laughs> otherwise it'll drive you insane. But if you let it get to you, it'll get to you, I can tell you. Uh, yeah. what, what about a favourite part of the Camino Frances? Ted, did you, is there one place you really loved? I think dropping down from all the way through Galicia, the, the hollow ways, the ancient lanes that have been naturally hollowed out by man um, over the years, um, Lined with oak trees, they are just exquisite. Um, it just feeds your soul. I'm a bit of a tree hugger anyway, so to walk along oak-lined lanes, it, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful experience. And they go on mile after mile after mile, as you say. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and we, <laughs> you use the word thin places, and I thought, aha, he's heard that. Um, and I really think those lanes of the Camino, they are thin places where you are so close to people on the other side. Um, yeah, that was, was Margaret yeah. Caffin who, who first told me about thin places, and, and Maggie's book is called Walking Back Home. It's a really fantastic read. Yeah, thin places where where the spiritual world is just so close. You know, you were, just, sure. you were just talking then about those oak-lined paths, and I somehow was taken back there. And I've got goosebumps, and, and I was just totally... You were talking about it. Yeah. I just went back there. Yeah. That, that was really... Yeah. That was really moving. Um, you know something, Ted? Sorry to interrupt you, but you know something? Hmm? That's my favourite place too. Those, 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 and I walked mainly on my own there, and I was really in a, in a pretty messed up in my head sort of way, dealing with a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, 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 wow, how fantastic! Yeah, oh, that's they terrific. are magic. They, they are magic. truly are magic. I've got written down in front of me. Don't be weird, Ted. So <laughs> I won't say anymore. <laughs> I won't say any more about those tree line lanes, but I really connected with stuff down there. <laughs> uh, oh, that is funny. 
So <laughs> you said earlier you didn't finish in Santiago. Uh, you still had a few more days walking to get to Finisterre. But what did you make of the town square in Santiago when you'd, when you'd finally arrived in adverted commas? Dan, that was interesting and it was funny. Again, again, here I was comparing experiences with the last time when I walked into Santiago with six Irish people around me and I just felt great about that. Um, um, And going to the Pilgrim Mass and all being together and it just being wonderful. And... This time, I, I'd walked from uh, Riverso, Riversero. Um, Ribadiso, uh, Ribadasso, yeah, yeah. That's the one, Ribidasso. my Spanish pronunciation yeah. isn't great. So I had walked into Santiago from there. So that was a big leg. That was um, because they rejigged the path going into Santiago. So that was a good 44K walk into Santiago. So I, I this time, I not getting to Santiago to seven o'clock at night. I thought all the Australians would have waited for me and put flags up and be <laughs> applauding as I entered into Santiago. There was nothing. And and I <laughs> I got I got to the cathedral, at least I thought I'd got to the cathedral. Um and I walked up these steps and I must be looking quite emotional and my eyes had watered up and then this Spanish lady shouted behind me and I turned around and they were pointing to the huge building covered in scaffolding uh behind me. I was actually walking up to the wrong building. I mean I know the Cathedral of Santiago isn't exactly small, but somehow I got it wrong. <laughs> So, so how long did you stay in Santiago before you headed on then to Finisterre? I only stayed a day because I just, I didn't like cities. As beautiful as Santiago is, and I'd been there before, I just, I need to get walking again. And, oh, I was just so happy when I started to walk again. And the stretch from Santiago to Finisterre, it is just beautiful. You pick up the coast, you pick up the old pagan route, you feel the vibes of it. It's, it changes, it's more, um, there's more solitude. Um, and, and I made my last great Camino friend, uh, um, on that final leg, I met a South African lady and I had bought her the Camino for her um, 40th birthday. I, I don't know where these people find these partners. I know an Australian guy, his wife bought him it for his 50th, but um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she was a lovely lady and uh, she'd left behind three children and she'd taken criticism for that. But I think what she did was a brilliant thing, you know, for her and her family, you know, to go out there and just give herself a little bit of space and be able to go back home and, uh, yeah, see life differently. And uh, so, yeah. And what about when you arrived in Finisterre? What was the feeling like? That was beautiful. I got... I got to the beach that I'd been so looking forward to and I was appalled because the beach only looked two kilometres long and yet the sign said seven kilometres. I thought, 
and I was really hurting then. Uh, but there was a bar there, and I said to the barman, is that really seven kilometres? He said, no, it's two. He said, that's pointing to the lighthouse. He said, finished there, it's two kilometres. And superb. I got a beer, and I took my shoes off, and I just sat down and looked at that beach. Uh, I had a couple of beers, and then just walked slowly through the water down that beach. And Dan, the sun was shining, it was magical i picked up my shell and uh um, it was great i didn't walk to the lighthouse night been there before and i i hurt and uh and i really thought muxia i'm not going there until about nine o'clock at night when i went to bed and i thought ted you are going to be so disappointed if you don't do it and so out I was and I started walking again and lo and behold it was my South African friend walking along and uh, and so my final walk the end of the Camino for me was actually Muxia um, and I sat with this lady she had a bottle of wine some bread and cheese and some of the rocks and watched the sun set at Muxia that for me was the end of my Camino oh how wonderful this time, yeah. This time, I'll be back. Ah, that was, <laughs> I was, that was one of my questions coming up, but we'll get to that. I'm going to throw a couple of suggestions at you. Let's see what you make of them. Here we go. The Masetta. Hmm. What are we suggesting about the Masetta? Remove it from the Camino. <laughs> <laughs> did you like it? Yes, I did. I like the openness of it. I did not like the Roman road. Uh, by this time, you guys had gone forward, and I dropped back, and I was walking with a great-ish guy, Tommy Taylor, who I know you know. Yeah, Tommy, um, know Tommy well, yeah. Yeah, so I was in good company, and, and Georgina, but that road hurt. <laughs> it so hurt. Um, as you know, the, 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 uh, it's just rocks, and it's, it's twisting your legs one way and the other. And uh, and that was probably the real start of the tendon problems that I got. Um, but hey, that's the Camino. Um, uh, everybody hurts. Yeah, everybody hurts. All right. <laughs> I, I was lucky <laughs> enough to catch up. You mentioned Georgina. I was lucky enough to catch up with Georgina here in Sydney just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I saw, I saw that on Facebook. Yeah, she's that in terrific form. She... Terrific form. A beautiful yeah. soul. Yeah. What did you make? Yeah. Of, what did you yeah. make of the cyclists, Ted? <laughs> Why would you want to cycle the Camino? Uh, um, I felt they were cheating somewhat. And uh, and I can remember coming down into Ribeiro and it was getting really late. And I was thinking, if this hostel is full, I've got an awful long walk to the next one. But I had not seen a soul in over an hour, so I thought, I've got to be home and dry and just as i'm walking down the hill to uh to the hostel I just, shoo, 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 as all these sights come pouring down the hill and past me but um i had nothing to worry about i still i still got into the hostel but i was looking at them and thinking if i'm not staying at this hostel because uh, um well there um i don't know it's a strange one i yeah. just think walking is such i mean i'm a cyclist as well don't get me wrong I, but for the camino walking is such 
the purest form of travel. Um, yeah, I liked what but, you said when you that that you walk, your walking is about the speed of your process of thought, and and the cycling. I always thought I don't know. They seem to be always. Uh, I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy. The cycling the Camino is a very difficult thing to do. But I just thought it just seemed to me like they were racing through it um, unnecessarily in a way. Yes, they they're not getting the slowing down, are they? That yeah. I think is the big thing. They yeah. are not slowing down. Whereas all of us that walk it, that is the biggest thing you get from it. Yeah. You slow down. What about the food um, and wine, Ted? How would you rate the food and and and, and wine? Hmm. Food. Well, I'm vegetarian, so. I was quite surprised about how well vegetarians and uh, uh, I also walked with a vegan friend, Magdalena, and, and surprisingly were well catered for. And the wine, well, <laughs> you're walking through the Rioja region and uh, um, what was, I think, two euros was the most expensive glass I had. Uh, can you complain? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I have here written the camaraderie, question mark, question mark, the people you meet, question mark, question mark. It's very special, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you asked me what the highlight of the Camino was, I would actually say every friend I made along the way, without a doubt. Um... Yeah, and so many of those friendships you end up keeping for life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. You know, when I met you, I knew, I think straight away I knew, I'll, I'll end up keeping in touch with Ted forever. It was just one of those, cool. it was one of those things, you know? It's like, yeah. it's amazing how you, you you just meet people like that. Uh, the yeah. Lee, the Welsh pilgrim, Lenny, the Italian pilgrim, Matt, you know, from London, Ruth yeah, from Ireland, sure. all those people, Igor. Um so, yeah. can I ask you, could you put your finger on a favourite albergue that you stayed at? Hmm. Villefranca. Um, that was the second time I had stayed um, in that one. Um, Is that the Phoenix? As yes. You, as you come into town on the left there, yeah. Phoenix. That's it. Yeah, the crazy old guys that run it. Yeah. Um, Yezu. Uh, they knew you well. You'd already been through that. Um, yeah. Mr. Dan, you were known as. Yeah, caused some trouble. Um, yeah, caused some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say the nicest was a church donativo, um, and it was at a place called Gronion. Gronion. Um, uh, and it was run by hospitalarios, the, the Spanish volunteers that just come for two weeks and and uh, run these donativos. Um, and it was so ancient, Dan, like part of the building was actually a cave. It was that old oh. and it was built around the cave. Um, and as I came out into the common room from Sharon, there was one of the hospitaleros um, playing guitar, a load of uh, song beats, and it was a 
gang of pilgrims around him singing old people's songs and and i thought oh great i'd join in and uh um started singing along i was at a bit of an advantage that i actually uh was at an age where i actually knew the songs um, <laughs> <laughs> and then this guy just turned around and said to three of us right you you and you you're in my choir for uh, for tonight and Oh my God, I have not sung in, uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I was a fire boy and I just had a voice to die for. And then when things went south, that was it. It was such a regret of mine that I lost my voice and believed I could never sing again. And then I was horrified to learn that I was actually appearing in this guy's uh, choir in the church at night to sing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah along with uh, this lovely Australian, uh, Austrian lass Magdalena and uh, um, But for me, it ended up so uplifting because I realised, actually, I can sing a bit still. And uh, um, that was a pretty cool night. Um, How magic did, did you get, did someone manage to get footage of you? Singing? Sorry, say that again, Dan. Did somebody manage to get any footage, any film of you singing in the church? Thank God, no. <laughs> they got photographs. <laughs> and I was trying to work out who the old guy was in the glasses looking at the song sheet, and then I realised that was actually me, uh, to my horror. But uh, thankfully, no. Well, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, oh, look. Ted, you've been absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But there's just something I want to, to touch base with you about, and it's very important. It's, it's something you and I discussed, and that was your walking poles. And I've, tr mm. I've tried to explain them, actually, to, to a couple of people. Tell us the story about them. They are pacer poles. Um, that's what they're called. They're, um, and they were designed and produced by a, a lady that's a physio that really thought about the action of walking and using poles and they are just so ergonomic and and you watch people walking and 90 percent of people are not using the poles right um but with these beauties you you just walk naturally with them uh, yeah and and uh, one of the critical aspects of it is that the the way your hands are placed. Now, many people would be familiar with walking poles and they're just simply vertical and you, you've got a vertical grip and really your hand is not designed to walk holding a pole That's in a vertical sense. And these are more, almost like a trigger grip, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're like sticking a hip joint into your hand. It's just natural. Yeah. Um, so as long as you've got the height adjusted right, you're away. Um, I did note you said when you got your tendon problems, um, it was because you weren't walking upright and the poles made you upright. Uh, I also got uh, tendon problems and thought, hang on, but I had poles. But I realised too late. I actually had my pole set to low, so I've got to say that's critical as well. And oh, you, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. And, and so you had then, Ted, the same tendonitis as me down the front of the shins. And that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so coming what, up from the foot. Yeah, and so mm. everybody thinks that it's shin splints, but it's not. It's a, it's a, it's a, oh, mine was so swollen. It was so sore, but. Yeah, and so mine the, too. Yeah, we should talk I about couldn't, 
We should talk about. Sorry, I'll, I'll just say that we should talk about it because people will be listening, and indeed, if they have walked before or they're planning on walking, it's something that's quite interesting, and that is because I carried a guitar and I was leaning too far forward, um, yeah. compensating for that guitar. So it's taking, if you like, the the the, in the tendon down the outside of the well, really the front of the leg and the shin, but it's yeah. they feel the yeah. tendon right at the front of that shin muscle. And people saying to me, oh, shin splint, shin splint. And I thought, I don't know. And then I met Etienne, the French doctor. He said, no, no, no. It's because you're leaning too far forward. Yeah. Uh, compensating for the guitar, you should really get some poles and it would make you stand more upright. And it was really only 48 hours of walking with the poles so generously given to me by our friend Lee that straight away I was okay. Um, it really yeah. came good. So you, what you're saying, Ted, is that you were leaning too far forward because perhaps your poles were too short. My poles were too short. Yeah, I right. set them too short. Um, so, and as soon as I lengthened them, uh, once I started getting problems, uh, away went my problems. And so, there you are. So, yeah. it, because you you then you raised your poles, made you stand more upright. That's right. Yeah, there you yeah. go. So there you go. Yeah. And they're called they're called pacer. P a pacer poles. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to advertise in Dan Mullen podcast, but. Um, uh, they're online, and uh, it's a lady in the uh, Lake District. Uh, there you go. Produces them. So, uh, so you, you, you mentioned Ted, and we're allowed to give anybody a plug here. Ted, uh, we are a totally uh, not-for-profit organisation, so we can give people a plug. You, you, you've, you've walked your own pace. I suspect it's something that you've always done. But what advice would you give for someone thinking of doing the Camino, Ted? Just that walk for yourself. It it is so easy to get dragged along, um, and and I faced the dilemma with you guys because you were such a great company. But I just knew that it wasn't for me to start doing those distances at that time. I I, uh, I could feel my body and and and. Um, but so, okay, you guys went on, but I just made so many other great acquaintances and friends along the way. And, uh, so yeah, walk for yourself. Um, and for me, I would say walk, walk alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, or what would it be that knows you so well, you might just as well be in your own space. Um, okay, so I'm thinking of Brettie. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and if it gave you, if the Camino gave you one message to take with you when you went back to the UK, what would that message be, do you think? <sighs> well, wouldn't I could sing? <laughs> um, <laughs> I... <laughs> You, this came, this came about again for you, Dad. You said when you walked the Camino the first time, you took each year of your life and you let it go. You just walked on your own, and you just let all those things go out of your life. And I thought I like that idea, but I only had seven days left, so I worked out that um, each day I would take six years of my life and go through it and let it go but whilst i was 
going through the years of my life and yeah sure crap had happened in my life yeah, I, I lost my mother at six and which wasn't ideal but once i sat thinking through all these life stages i realized there was an awful lot more to be thankful about and, and grateful for uh than the bad things you dwell on in life and yeah um that was a big thing i took from it it's a pretty good thing to take from it pretty good thing to have in, in your armory as you begin the rest of your life ted yeah yeah. yeah, without a doubt. I began, yeah. I began reading the quote, and into the forest I go to lose my mind and find my soul. Do you think you've found yeah. your soul, Ted? Yes, definitely. Um, like you said, I've been travelling on since the Camino. Um, every time I walk in nature, I find my soul, Dan. Um, and the journey's gone on since there. I've... Uh, <laughs> I've been through the Amazon jungle, I've convened with the shamans, um, I've walked up to the high Andes, uh, um, so yeah, my soul's always in nature. <laughs> you, are, uh, you are going to very much enjoy this next stage of your life, I can tell my friend. I hope so. I yeah. hope so. I know so. Yeah, yeah, I know so too. Look, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed walking with you, Ted, and I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you today. Thank you so much for your time. Likewise, Dan. I hope I'll pass cross again. Oh, sure we, there's absolutely no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Hey, Ted, buen camino. Buen camino, Dan. All the best, mate. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. My guest this week, the British pilgrim, Ted Walker, or I'm Ted. Well, I'm Dan Mullins, and thanks for listening. I'm back for another year of weekly podcasts. The song Somewhere Along the Way, the Camino song, will be released in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. You'll be the first to know. But until next week, thank you so much for your company. Buen Camino. Buen Camino.